It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Great to have you with us on Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thanks indeed for joining us again on the show. Lots of guests and chat, music, top five countdown and more besides over the next couple of hours. And if you'd like to get in touch with us on anything that's on your mind, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is the number you need. Now, news today that one of the world's most common artificial sweeteners is set to be declared a possible carcinogen next month by the World Health Organization. You see, their International Agency for Research and Cancer have been working on this and they're going to say that it's a possible carcinogenic to humans, a threat to humans. Um, It's used in a range of products across the board and uh, news of it today has certainly hit, uh, you know, investors in companies who use this in their products. So how worried should we be? Well, no better man to talk to than one of our own based in Dundalk. His company is Fight-A-Fix. We've spoken to him on a number of occasions on the late launch. He knows all about nutrition, diet and immunity. I'm delighted to say hello to Connor Kerley, who, of course, Fight-A-Fix uh, won the World Food Innovation Award in 2021. Connor, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. How- delighted to be here. Um, what do you make of this, first off? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's always a there's always a big scandal around any news stories in the in the food nutrition arena, and this is no uh, no exception to that. And um, so, look, I think the bottom line is uh, nobody needs to panic too much. Um, as I mentioned there in the little introduction, you know, the the World Health Organization's research arm for cancer is called the International Agency for Cancer for um, sorry, the International Agency for Research on Cancer. And they basically did a massive scientific review of all of the scientific research regarding a specific sweetener called aspartame. And they looked specifically at cancer. And they noticed that when they looked at over all the evidence together, that there was a slight, slight increase in cancer. Um, you tried all of the research, but a lot of the research was actually done in uh, animals, specifically rats. And also some of this research is what we call observational research. And this isn't very high level evidence. So really the, the concern we would have is if someone is consuming about 40 cans of diet soda or diet, diet Coke or whatever, whatever beverage they choose per day. And most people wouldn't drink that amount. Mm. Um, so if somebody's consuming, you know, a can or, you know, some, some artificial sweeteners and chewing gum or uh, uh, yogurt from time to time that's absolutely fine there's no need to panic 
Okay, so I'm drinking, uh, I just have a little drop left here in studio, my uh, low-calorie Sprite, and I'm looking at the ingredients before I came on today and said to myself, oh, I'm goose here. I must tell Connor, the aspartame The aspartame is on the can here. It's part of, of this little drink as well. But what you're saying is, and, and I was reading that all right, um, they don't actually say at the moment, we'll wait to hear what they have to say, how much of the product, but you reckon that you'd have to be drinking enormous amounts daily to be affected. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's really key to, to listen to the wording as well. They say it's possibly carcinogenic to humans. So a carcinogen or something that's carcinogenic is something which increases your risk of cancer or can cause cancer. And obviously cancer is a very scary, emotive word. Um, but when we hear possibly carcinogenic to humans, when they review all of this research on rats, you know, that kind of sounds a little bit less scary than thinking, my God, it's going to cause cancer tomorrow if I drink a can today. And that's certainly not the case. So, I mean, as I say, the the, the big concern would be if somebody's drinking, you know, 50 cans of diet, diet drinks every single day forever, that yeah. it might slightly increase their risk a tiny amount. But for someone having maybe one or two cans a week, very, very uh, little chance that's going to affect their health. Now, I will say this to you, um, PepsiCo, who are one of the major uh, makers of drinks in the world, removed aspartame from their soft drinks in 2015. They brought it back a year later, only to remove it again in 2020, obviously then to replace it with something else. So, you know, this something else obviously brings the original flavour as near as possible back do we know anything about what has gone into it now or what the the alternatives are to aspartame? Yeah, so there's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that Pepsi did remove their the aspartame and then, as you say, bring it back and then remove it again. And often what happens is, you know, a story like this hits the headlines and then people start buying diet drinks, for example, and PepsiCo decided, you know, to remove the aspartame so people would be able to say, you know, if you're concerned about aspartame, well, our products don't contain that. So aspartame is a, an artificial sweetener. It's completely artificial um, and it's used as a, a sugar replacement, but it's actually one of the most well-studied kind of human-made uh, chemicals for, for food consumption. So what they've replaced it with is not as well-studied. Now, also, this new report that's come out has not looked at what PepsiCo use instead. So whatever replacements are available may be better, but may also be worse. Mm. And as I mentioned earlier on, aspartame is certainly not, uh, it's certainly not a really healthy ingredient, but it's certainly not going to cause cancer uh, overnight either. And and we should also remember that, you know, these artificial sweeteners are used to help reduce sugar consumption and sugar consumption being a really big problem all around the world, including here in Ireland, where, you know, things like obesity and uh, type 2 diabetes are massively, uh, massively concerning on a national level. I'm after taking another slug from the can, Connor. After listening to what you had to say there, so I think I'll finish it off for sure today. But well, just I should point out that I don't have any shares in it. No, no, but... neither do I. <laughs> so we're all right there. That's for sure. But look, uh, it's interesting to hear what you have to say, and you really have calmed the waters and put it in perspective. But uh, building on what you said a moment ago with sugar, I recently read a very interesting piece in the Guardian about ultra processed. Foods and it's by a guy called Chris Van Tullenkin, uh, and he's yeah. a book out called Ultra Processed People. I don't know whether you heard about this, but yeah. anyway, uh, this is a brilliant article. And I, I said when I'd have you on today, I'd talk to you about it. 
he says that food has replaced tobacco as the leading cause of early death globally. Isn't that an horrendous statement? Yeah, it really is. And this is something I've been kind of speaking about publicly, you know, over the last five or ten years. And that when we look at all of the evidence that, you know, nutrition and poor nutrition really does seem to be probably the biggest factor contributing to ill health globally. And we consider, you know, all everybody knows how bad smoking is. And some people still choose to smoke and that's fine. That's their, that's their choice. But nobody really seems to consider that nutrition really is so important. But more and more evidence is, is piling up daily that nutrition really is that important. And um, so regardless of, you know, if someone chooses to have a diet drink or, you know, some chewing gum with a star day minute or whatever, like still the general nutrition principles apply. You know, if you're eating a healthier diet, then, that, you know, you're going to be you're going to be healthier. And um, so, yeah, it's really shocking to see that, you know, nutrition is right now, like poor nutrition is the, the biggest contributing factor to, to poor health and early de- death and disability globally. Mm. Ultra processed food, uh, UPFs, he's really focusing on here. Now, he doesn't knock processed foods in its entirety, but the ultra processed foods, he says, for example, you know, cheap, uh, cheap bread, you know, that you can buy, uh, breakfast cereals, packaged snacks, reconstituted meat products and frozen meals, those type of things. He says, my God, these are just taking us down a road to disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting one, as you mentioned, like not all processed foods need to be demonized. No. This is where things get a little bit um a little bit difficult because, you know, we can talk about processed food and non processed food and um there's a very big difference between like wholemeal uh, granary bread and then really refined white bread and mm. um, both being processed. So this is something we need to be careful about. And obviously some processed foods are not only quite healthy but they're very affordable very tasty, uh, very um, very handy in today's world. But then, as you mentioned, these ultra-processed foods really can be quite damaging to health, especially when we start relying on them. And if you think, if somebody has an ultra-processed uh, breakfast cereal in the morning, maybe with some white bread toasted and maybe some Nutella on it, for example, um, you know, that's a really processed breakfast. And mm. then after having, uh, you know, at 11 a.m., another processed snack and, you know, a... a a can of Coca-Cola or whatever, and then moving on to lunch, uh, you know, a takeaway or whatever, you know, you can easily see how these things can add up. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily someone who's just eating, you know, sugar all the time. It's these ultra-processed foods. So, mm. um, you know, it really does come back to kind of, you know, just being sensible about nutrition. Um, you know, fruits are good, vegetables are good, whole grains are good, like um, oats like barley and so on, um, and then legumes are really good, nuts and seeds. And, you know, if they make up a large part of someone's diet, you know, you're going to be most, most healthier than most people on the planet already. Mm. And uh, you, you touched on something there, which is true. You know, for many people, ultra-processed foods are the only affordable food available, and that's a an even bigger issue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, the breakdown of, like, how food... Uh, how expensive it's become and we know there's a cost of living crisis at the moment going on not just in Ireland but in, in many uh, locations around the world but even so it is pretend, it is e- it is relatively easy to eat healthily within a budget so if you consider some of the staple foods you know wholemeal pasta and uh, being a little bit more expensive than, than ordinary pasta mm. but being much healthier 
and not certainly not going to uh, break the bank. We think about things like chickpeas again, really cheap. And then um, for, think of frozen. I know you mentioned frozen frozen ready meals being ultra processed, but mm. if you think about frozen fruits and vegetables again being a really affordable yes. uh, way to get in. Uh, and vegetables. Yeah, and, and as you say, yeah. it, it's not a blanket uh, we're throwing over everything here. There are good and different aspects of uh, the food we, we buy. Would you be in favour of you? you uh, we mentioned tobacco there and the warnings now, and they uh, they're never ending in advertising, uh, trying to encourage people not to smoke on the packaging itself. Would you be in favour of drawing attention to this on foods that it'd be compulsory on ultra processed foods to warn people? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a good question, and the answer is I'm not fully sure yet. As I say, how we define that ultra uh, ultra processed food mm. is not clear at the moment, and this is going to be something which is going to have to be really uh, you know thought about before anything like comes into legislation or packaging or anything like that, because you know as I say. Uh, uh, a really high sugar breakfast cereal is not the same as you know some really uh, quality uh, you know Irish brown bread, and um, so there is, there does have to be that distinction even though they're both processed. I think where we see a lot of problem is you know some of these really cheap foods, uh, or sorry, um, unhealthy foods are quite cheap, and also they're really uh, bombarding you know especially children, um, on on um, on the internet on TV. And so on, and that is some. I think that's the place to start, and you know, cut down on the advertising or, or just stop it, and then um, you know, then we can we can look at really on the package, and um, at the same time, you know, I don't think we need to demonise foods, but we do need to be sensible about what foods we eat and how often we eat them. And isn't it important to remember a few years back, you probably remember this yourself, Jamie Oliver tried to change, you know, school foods. He went into schools. By God, he met some opposition uh, to it in the UK and in the States as well. Here in Ireland, isn't it important where food is served in schools that it's good quality food? I think of hospitals as well, care environments under the control of the state. And I know uh, they're making improvements all the time, but those areas should be examples. Absolutely. You know, like the school I went to in Dundalk, we, we brought in our own lunches. Um, but I know some schools provide, you yes. know, hot lunches, for example. And as you mentioned, this is certainly a, a, an area where children can be educated in a fun, uh, safe environment. You know, what sort of foods are more appropriate? I know there has been huge steps forward um you know, where kids are not allowed to bring in, you know, unhealthy foods every day, maybe only on a Friday or maybe not at all. And this this is helpful, um, you know, a teaching moment. And as you mentioned, within state uh, centres such as hospitals as well. And mm. um, so absolutely, I think I saw a few places in America now where there's uh, little farms associated with hospitals. So like the vegetables that are served to the patients are actually grown on the, har- on the farm at, at the hospital. And I think this is absolutely phenomenal. And obviously throughout Ireland we've got phenomenal produce, uh, fruits, vegetables and, and grains and so on. Mm. So this is something which is really uh, really um, exciting to see. But as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's that teachable moment that children learn yeah. what is healthy, what's not so healthy, how often they should be eating these foods. Mm. Uh, and similarly for someone who's, who's a sick patient or whatever, 
um, or even maybe not a sick patient, but somebody who's in the hospital working or mm. or uh, visiting someone sees that, OK, this is how they're fed. This is maybe how I should be eating as well. Mm. I like what you're saying. You're right. You really do have to educate from a, a young age and educate parents as well. And there have been great initiatives, I know, here in the schools locally around this. And it is fantastic to see. And by the way, I do hear in the regional hospital in Drogheda that uh, the food is excellent. And I've, it's good to hear that as well. And people are, are talking about it, which is so positive. So I suppose, Connor, then today, from your perspective, uh, it, this is your field completely with Fitofix and your studies, etc. The message is caution. Don't panic. There's no need to panic. There's no need to panic. Um, not not a huge amount has changed uh, for, for this agency to come out and say that this chemical is possibly carcinogenic should not cause people to, to panic and to really change their daily habits. Unless their daily habits include you know, drinking 50 cans of Diet Coke. Mm. Um, but aside from that, the, 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 the ultra messages stay, stay the same. You know, load up on your fruits and vegetables, stick with your whole grains, your legumes like chickpeas and lentils, your nuts and seeds. And by doing that, regardless of if you have some sugar or if you have some diet drinks or whatever, um, you know, you're going, to be doing, you're going to be doing pretty well. Low-fat diets, just forgot to mention that to you as well. You know, people who are trying to lose weight and going for the sugar-free, sugar-free options and that, they'll be thinking, oh my God, is there additives in them? Again, no panic there? No panic there. However, I will caution that recently the WHO, the, the World Health Organization, said that uh, people should not rely on artificial sweeteners for weight loss and for health. And the reason for this seems to be that people you know, decide they're going to have a Diet Coke with their Big Mac and their McFlurry and their takeaways and so on. Um, and that's that's better than having a sugary version for, for weight. But the point is that they're not necessarily improving their diet. They're just uh, having a Diet Coke as well. Um, so, you know, just to be cautious that drinking diet drinks doesn't mean you're going to lose weight or, or get healthy. It just means that you're not having sugar in that particular product. So, you know, what people do is instead of having 11 burgers, they have 10 burgers and one Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're getting at there. Fighter Fix, you're flying along? We are indeed, yes. We've just launched a, a, a third product and we're flying, we're about to launch three more. And we're actually exhibiting this weekend in Flavours of Stingall. So if anybody's around and fancies a, a nice day out, we'll be at Flavours of Stingall on Saturday and Sunday, which is at Newbridge House. And it's always a, a fantastic weekend for families and young and old. Yeah, it's a fantastic place indeed. You're a great guy. Wish you well. All the success in the world. And thank you so much for your time today, Connor. Thanks, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Dr. Connor Curley there from Fight Fix, based in the dog. Top guy. They're very logical and good advice this afternoon with that story breaking uh, on the additive two foods uh, that we've been talking about for the last while on the show as partame. I've often mentioned it, Louise, about Ireland that, you know, in Ireland we are, um, I suppose, conservative with our colours in life in general, in the clothes we wear. Mm-hmm. We, lot of, we wear a lot of yeah, and dark colours. And you uh, spotted this story about car colours. No more grey cars. What's this about? Fiat has decided not to make any more grey cars. Full oh. stop. They've just got rid of all kinds of grey just off their colour chart. And um, seemingly it's the first automotive maker to take this revolutionary decision. They want colourful world. Uh, Fiat's have always been, uh, I have to say. Dinky. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think they've always been out there with their colours. But they're withdrawing the colour altogether. They just want more colourful cars. 
Oh, your little Yaris was grey, wasn't My it? My Yaris was grey, but on the actual, you know, the ownership manual, yeah. it says it was blue. Go figure that. Uh, ain't surprised. It's your car. <laughs> so it was kind of blue sort of grey. <laughs> no, I can tell you, folks. <laughs> it was grey, wasn't it? Was grey. It, yeah, it yeah. was grey. We miss it. It was grey. It was. Now, Miriam has a lovely grey colour car, so she has well, and a very suave grey as well. And it's very popular in the Ford, I have to say. But um, I like colour in cars. Mm. I really do. I like colour. I'm just thinking, I did have you a... You loved gre- red, didn't you? you yeah, red. Red, red is, is a colour I love in, car, in cars. Uh, a good, vibrant blue. You know what I mean? Not Ribena. I told you before, I got a Ribena car once. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I'd love that. Purple, oh, like. Oh, oh, no. It's just brutal. It's a purple car. I had a little purple mini. was my first ever car. Oh, I'd love that. Maroon, I think it was. Yeah. It was nice. No, it, it's in between. You know the colour I'm talking about? It's not blue. It's not deep purple. It's that colour in between that's rotten. Because, and I'll tell you how <laughs> I ended Magenta. up with it. It was a Nopal Astra. And I bought it from McChesney's. The late Dermot, who was there, lovely man. Um, but I bought it without seeing it. And he, when we were doing the thing, I, I thought I was getting a blue car. And I remember driving off the McChesney's and over the hill. And I had somebody with me and I said, Jeez, thank God I'm not getting that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it was mine. <laughs> it was mine. It was mine. Do you know how long I kept it for? 12 months. Just 12 That's months. That's a long time. Gone. You hated it. Gone. I hated it. It was gone after 12 months. Out mm. the door. I wouldn't have it. I, I just didn't like the colour at all. I, I like silver. Car. Would you? Yeah, something like a Herbie Goes Bananas yeah. purple car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it, 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 you know, on the downside, it, those kind of cars are very hard to sell on. Because mm. not a lot of people would like a Herbie Goes Bananas purple car. No. <laughs> Especially if he talks. <laughs> but they, just the Fiat here, it's called... It, they, the the um, CEO has come out and they're now calling it Italy, the land of colours, Fiat, the brand of colours. So the new range yeah. is available in gelato white, Sicilia orange, yes. paprika orange, okay. sounds good, isn't it? Yeah. Passionate red. Oh, yes, Italian to the core. Blue dipinto de blue. Yeah. Venezia blue. I don't know where my pronunciations Venice, are Venice, going here. Yeah, Venezia blue, yeah. Ruggiada green, mm. Foresta green, mm. rose gold and cinema black. Yeah, so they retain in the black in a car. Yeah, interesting. But that's a, that's a hell of a range of colours there mm. from white through to black and everything in between. But mostly vibrant. That's what they're going for. There you go. Um, I always found it difficult though to get at times when you get in a car... To get the colour you wanted. You know when you'd want a colour? I, I want that colour. As Henry Ford said once, you can have it in any colour. Mm. As long as it's black. I've never asked for a colour really. Have you? No. no. Well, take, yeah, take what did, I've I, given. I, I did at times, but you, you wouldn't be able to get what you wanted. you know. But now, more customization of cars and colours and everything. And you can have what you want really at this stage. Mm. So there you are. The end of the grey car is nigh. I'd say if I had to pick one colour in a car... Muck. The what? Dusty muck. That's the colour of my car at the minute. <laughs> it is. And that's due to driving the countryside in Ireland. And that's a unique colour to this part of the world. A big thank you to Connor Curley's ma'am, Dr. Connor Curley, who was with us top of the show, his dad and his sisters who've been in touch with us just to let us know. But I didn't know when he was with me. Connor Curley, Dr. Connor Curley, and his beau Nicola are getting married on Friday, July the 21st. Thank you for letting us know because we're delighted to wish them all the very best 
for their uh, lives together. Thanks indeed for getting in touch with us. Isn't that great news for Connor and Nicola? Good luck to them. Now we move on on late lunch with a good friend of ours and I'm delighted to have him back because he's a terrific, terrific guy. And when I tell you, he's uh, involved now in a very, a very interesting night on the 4th of July at the Darnley Hotel in Atboy. And it is uh, being promoted by the Feel Good Project. It's called Let's Talk Mental Health for People in Sport. And what a sport he is. Rory O'Connor, hello again. Terry, how are you? I'm really, I'm really good. Thanks for joining me. And listen, well done on Gaelic in the joy with Philly McMahon. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, no, cheers. It was, uh, yeah, we were delighted with the reception it got. And um, it, I suppose, opened eyes for a lot of people and, and shone a light on that part of society that people maybe were unaware of or, or not. But no, we were delighted um, with, with how it was received and it was... Uh, it was an interesting uh, like journey, put it that way. Um, mm. It's great that we can make edits to TV, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> there was plenty of uh, stuff that wouldn't have made TV, yes. put it that way. But it turned yeah. out really good in the end, yeah. Yeah, it certainly did. And it was handled, may I say, sensitively as well, which is a very important uh, part of it. Anyway, sport, you're a real sport head altogether. This must be right up your street. Mental health for people in sports. Like, I suppose it's... A, a side of the game that you know you look at the physical part of it the competition the winning the losing the emotions and that but this doesn't really get a lot of focus does it yeah yeah exactly like I suppose the the, the, the work we're doing now the, the Fago project it was actually uh, Senator Sharon Keoghan approached me about a, uh, a year or so ago looking she's saying looking to do these talks around the country and come on board and I said yeah it's, it sounds great so uh, we done one in St. Pat's de Mullen, uh, I think it was the week before last, and, and that was great. There was a lot of young people there uh, from the age of maybe eight, nine, and may I say not so young people uh, as well. But uh, again, it was, yes, yeah, just I suppose sharing my story, which obviously has a lot got to do with sport and the importance of sport in my life, and maybe over relying on sport. Uh, I suppose was a big part of me growing up like I struggled and obviously there's no school and various jobs and, and playing football was the, my kind of outlet and you can't always have that as well like you know people nearly over depend on uh, on sport as well and that uh, as, and then when that's the kind of knock on wealth you can also have a massive impact elsewhere so it's kind of finding the balance um, but you know again it's, it's a taboo for a long time but we're slowly making it uh, not so much of a taboo basically yeah, and that that is true. You know what you say there. Like two things I get from what you said. It's fantastic, and sport for young people is great for the body and the mind as well. But you know, at times it, it, it can get in on you, isn't that? You know, like it really can get it, and and it it preoccupies that little space between the the, the ears. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I go back to Gaelic and the joy. Like you know, we we haven't really leaned on sport was what kept us, you know, uh, on the right road and and away from that environment. And you know, I, I obviously I've always encouraged exercise. It has always will and always will be my number one go to uh, for mental health. But you know, I suppose when you're so passionate about your sport. You know, it can often, uh, you know, you're just so so involved, invested in it and you probably don't see, like, it's it, the addiction side of thing that can, obviously, people at home uh, are close to you might uh, suffer because you're so engrossed to, say, if you're a footballer and 
you lost the game, you know, you're on death's door for two or three days, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's in your own head. And I would have been like that as well. And because I didn't really have that in the lean on when I used to play football myself, probably took it to heart more than others would. And that's all part of it as well. But I suppose there is a balance to They often say, like, when you pl- finish playing, like, football is a great example because it's different with professional, like, soccer and, and rugby etc you, you do have a few bob built up and you've made mm. connections and you might do this now but with say the Gaelic football and hurling you're playing for the love of it and then suddenly you're retired and, and like excuse me language no one gives a shit about you like you move on to the next crop of lads and it's just being aware of that in your own head as well and, and, and I often hear of inter-county players especially long-serving club players they they struggle to find that uh, replacement for the sport like um, and that's obviously important as well because often you have a lot of people when, when the routine is gone the alcohol comes in the drugs the gambling whatever kind of mm. and it's important to be mindful to have something to follow on uh, after your playing days and the sport will probably take as a sport for what it is rather than dictating how your humour is you know week in week out which, which is obviously important because it's so professional now these young lads nowadays Jerry there's no yeah there's no mess with these like it's all strength and conditioning and, and eating well and everyone's focused towards that and just to be mindful that you know to, to, there is a balance which is obviously I couldn't find the balance myself but it's hopefully people can as they go through their sporting career like yeah, it's interesting when it comes to an end, all those issues you mentioned. And the other thing, people often pile on the weight and get out of condition that were previously, you know, so fit and so committed to things, another aspect of it. But come back to that point there you were you, you, you were um, speaking about a moment ago, that side of uh, sport when, you know, when, when, you, when loss is encountered, you know, you lose and it doesn't go your way or you don't perform well. That's mightily challenging for people at, uh, across the, the divide and across the, the board in sport, but especially people who are playing at the high levels. Yeah, of course, like, you know, and I suppose as well, it, it, you'd have to, you know, acknowledge the world we live in, which is social media now. And, and um, you know, if if I was playing at the top level of any sport now, would I have a, the likes of a Twitter account? I don't, I don't think I would because it's so easy to hop off people now you look at like like the loud footballers or the, the mead footballers at the minute and you know as odd as you go into, into Twitter and type in your county name and you're just going to see abuse about yourself but it's just being aware of all that like and like young a young lad at you know 18 years of age or whatever could go and play a bad game which we all do and and go home and go into the room and just get on their phone and just start looking like go on to these county forums that people go on keyboard warriors and and give their opinion and and don't know what's reading at the other end like um so it's all that stuff to be mindful like you know to that like it's all great being physically fit and 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 tactics and you know obviously being mentally strong when when the, the game's in the melting pot to have the resilience to keep going and, and on the field and all that but also when you lose a game how you repair your mind after that is obviously uh, very important as well and and I think that's the side of the game that people are becoming more aware of all the time which is great you know there's all there's all sorts of psychologists and that obviously out there but it's about I suppose understanding what works for you some people are great at it and some people like they might say I don't read the, the you know the newspapers or I don't read Twitter or blah, blah blah but like a lot of time human beings are curious we're curious to know what people are saying about mm-hmm. us that's a natural I believe natural so it's, again it's just being aware 
you know, if if, if, it, if it has an impact on your your mental health, you know, don't look at it. I know again, it's easier said than done, but don't have it on your phone or um, because it can get inside, you and that can obviously lead to number one, your your confidence on the playing field, but number two, your relationship then with yourself and with your work and your school or college, or whatever, it can have an impact. So it's just. Again, balance is the big word to keep using, but that's, that's for me, what's very important anyway. I think coping with loss, the world example, have to be Mayo. How do they do it? Come back every year, deal with it, get in there again. They're wonderful people. I admire them for that, their resilience and how they, they cope with that. They're an example to, to all of us, never to give up and, and keep going. The other thing I'm thinking, just as we speak, it looks like Declan Rice is going to move across London. I'm very happy as a gunner uh, to Arsenal for £105 million. And you think, wow, what money that man and he's made now for evermore but with that comes mental challenges too yeah well listen Jerry like if we get into it now you'll have to cancel all the rest of your uh, <laughs> the rest of your schedule for the next two hours because I, I, there's a billion things got, going through my head uh, mm. before I even get to him managing that that expectation even that yeah. uh, young lad that went uh, to Madrid the English guy Bellingham is a oh phone my and that, god like, yes yes, yes. Like at 19 years of age I just I cannot get my head around and again 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 kind of subject like I don't want to talk there in St. Vincent's Hospital for the nurses maybe a few months ago and I was kind of speaking to him that, like if you were to look into the world we live in from say a different world and, and figure out like how the world works and if someone was to uh, forget about everything you know and just say a person who tends to per- someone another human being who's extremely sick gets paid this amount of money to live their life and if someone who plays kicks a ball around or mm. whatever gets this amount it's mind blowing like it really mm. but you know and you know the yeah. RT scandal at the minute as well and the, the big books that's there but again it, it is just the world we live in but right. it's just unfortunate that I suppose what Jack Grealish and Declan Rice were on our books we'll say yes. for a while and, yes, yes, and look yes. at the two of them now they're two of England's uh, biggest superstars yeah. so um mm. It's a pity, like they couldn't, couldn't. We could do it yeah. on our team now, yeah. but listen. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 a much bigger talk altogether, and it's at a different level, and it's out of our stratosphere completely. But it just, as I said, everybody has their challenges, no matter where you are on this sports ladder in life. So look, this is under the auspices. I just want to tell people, and I don't want to give it. You, you have loads to say. I know on the night. It's called Let's Talk Mental Health for People in Sports. Rory O'Connor's a special guest, July the fourth, coming up next week, seven thirty. The Darnley tell it boy under the auspices of the feel good project supported by the HSE National Lottery Grant Scheme very good support indeed and you can get your tickets eventbrite.ie and if you just put after that people in sports tickets that's eventbrite.ie people in sports tickets it's free it's going to cost you nothing now there's something good for your mental health today it's free you don't have to pay and look at the benefit you're going to gain from it besides this where are you now what are you doing after this yeah, I suppose as it stands, I'm actually spending the weekend up the north. I'm, I'm in uh, the marketplace in Armagh tonight. I'm in uh, Belfast tomorrow night, and then I'm up in Omaha on Saturday. So that's me for the weekend. Some would say it's work. Some would say it's a break from the kids. I would probably say the latter myself. Uh, so it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, I, I, I leave the kids and I go on stage to rant about the kids. So, it's, uh, so yeah, that's where I'm at now. And I'm hoping um, I have something in the pipeline, uh, another TV production that, listen, uh, it's, it was just, let's just say it's up in the air because everyone in RTE at the minute is up in the air. Yeah. So uh, we have to just wait and see. But no, as I said, uh, keep them good. And, 
you know, busy and that's the important thing I think is to sometimes too much time with your own mind is not good from my experience anyway, you know, to keep keep something focused all the time and I find that's good for the old head as well. Like It certainly is and you're doing great stuff, you really are. Keep up the uh, wonderful work you're involved in and good luck to you with all the gigs coming your way over the next few days and with this one especially at the Darnley, July the 4th, 4th eventbrite.ie uh, talk for people in sports tickets, mental health talk for people in sports the tickets are there and they're for free Rory you're good to us we appreciate it talk to you again no bother Jerry. keep her lit mind yourself take bye care bye 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 one of the best Rory O'Connor there one of our own from County Mead fantastic fantastic guy and uh, I just love the man he's brilliant he's brilliant he really really is Louise did you see that story in the States where years of research was lost Years and years of crucial research were lost oh. in a facility um, because there were cleaners in mm. and a cleaning lady unplugged the whole freezer, the freezing element where the oh, research no. was kept to do some hoovering and never put the plug <laughs> back in. <laughs> Louise, we shouldn't laugh. But I remember years ago mm. in a place where we worked a cleaning lady came in and pulled the plug and all the computer systems bang <laughs> gone <laughs> you see how much power the cleaning lady has very powerful very powerful very very powerful in one powerful. second it can wipe sweep. out everything always they're devastating <laughs> years and years of research in uh, kept at a temperature and she was looking for a plug for the hoover pulled it out <laughs> <laughs> you might as well laugh as cry. Mm. Oh, you'd cry if you were involved in that. I believe it's serious. And matter. what was the research for? Oh, geez, Doesn't I, say. Oh, it was serious Bruce research. Was something to do in life. But you see, they had to keep it all frozen and everything. <laughs> Imagine if you had one of those lads that, you know, the way they pay millions and millions to freeze them after death. Mm. What, what's it called? Cry something yeah, or other. Cryonics. Yeah. Is that plugged in? Oh, well, God, yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> suspended animation and everything. Imagine that. Oh, imagine. And them after paying for it, would they get a refund? I wonder. <laughs> You'd want to seriously vet those cleaners, wouldn't you? Anyway, I'm just warning everybody in my house. If anything happens to them loop-de-loops, there's going to be ructions. Ructions! If anything happens to them, I mean it. I mean no it. hoovering in the Kelly household. Oh, God, me loop-de-loops. December. Anyway, let me tell you, there was an incident at the Wednesday Club last night, Louise. Mm. Oh, there was an incident. Mm. You have a very drama-filled life, oh, I say. When, when I tell you, you, you wouldn't believe it. Anyway, <laughs> this goes down in history with the Wednesday Club and it'll never be forgotten about because Eamon will never let anybody forget about it, to be honest with you. Because, you see, last night, somebody else who wasn't in the Wednesday Club came to two of the members and said to one of the Wednesday Club members after we were talking for a while, is this your father that's with you? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not naming names. I don't want to name names. Really. The other person didn't take it well. He took it great. He <laughs> bust his ass laughing because we're all around the same age. You know what I mean? Last of the summer wine. But anyway, one, I'm not naming names, but I will say this. The landlady, Margaret, requested that on late lunch today for Jerry and Brian, we play this one. Here we go.
I have to go. Fresh from his appearance, his wonderful appearance at Glastonbury, Yusuf Cat Stevens with father and son. And Louise, you want a final word on this? I just like to say to Jerry that another Jerry failing the collagen, I think he should apply for a South Korean passport. Because the country, as we discussed yesterday, is knocking off two years <laughs> off everyone's age. So in a couple of weeks time, he'll arrive at the pub totally unrecognisable and people will think he's the baby of the group. What do you think? I'm saying nothing because I said I'm not naming names. <laughs> I'm staying out of this. I'm blaming I you next I read between week. the lines or the wrinkles. <laughs> I'm blaming you for this. I am. And Margaret too. Yeah, anyway. I'll blame the women. Ah, do you know something? There's nothing like an owl laugh. There really isn't. But that goes down in the annals. When the history of the Wednesday Club is written, that'll certainly get a a good paragraph to itself for sure. And uh, (laughs) if you can't laugh, she might as well cry, as they say. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. 35 years on the go. Hard to believe, isn't it? Her name synonymous with with it. A lovely lady. I met her on many occasions. Actually, I met her last year at the horse show in Dublin, the wonderful Mary Nally. I'm talking about the third age in Summerhill and they're going strong, but really they're only getting back on their feet post-COVID. And we're going to talk about them and what they do for the next while and a special day they've coming up next week. I'll be joined in a moment by Mary Hayes, who's a member. But first, let's say hello to Anne Dempsey, who's the communications and training facilitator with third age. Hello, Anne. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. You know something? You have a real gentle voice like Mary Nally. May I say that immediately? <laughs> <laughs> Must go with the territory in third age over there. Anyway, thank you for joining me on the show today. It is true what I said there, isn't it? That, you know, a lot of us feel, oh, COVID, when was that? But you are really only still emerging. Very much so. Very much so, Jerry. And the open day, this is a real chance to get together again. Now, our services have been opened and our activities a long time. Mm. But as you would know from talking to other people, a lot of older people had difficulty getting back and re-engaging again. And so it has been with third age. I have to say that during COVID, everyone, our staff pulled out, stopped completely. Mm. There was phone calls, letters, Easter cards, Christmas cards, all kinds of contact. Because we're very aware that some of our members live on their own, are on their own. Dana Boreen, you'd know about, about this territory very well in quiet rural Ireland. So third age has been terribly, terribly important. And then some people couldn't make contact. So the fifth next Wednesday is terribly important to us a real big welcome back Mm, It's your big open day and it is next Wednesday the 5th it's happening from noon until 4 o'clock and I'm sure everybody will be just like I think somebody said to me before you know when the springtime when the the, the farm animals get back out on the land they'll be mad to go won't the and frisking frisking around that's the word that is the word I was looking for well done they will indeed but look it is a momentous occasion with people coming back together now look you are of course act, active is the word you're an active retirement group but you also you know do more than that talk to me about a few of the services you provide and you, the people involved in it I will indeed we're more than an active retirement group but for that as well because from the very first moment that 
third age started, it, 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 it saw our older people, not just as receivers, but as givers. Mm. So we saw older people, our members, as a resource. And we began a number of socially useful national programmes. And two of those are still going strong. And we have a new Mead-based programme. So our oldest programme, Jerry, is called Senior Line. Mm. And we had over 26,000 calls last year from all over the country to Senior Line. Older people who are in all kinds of situations, again, very lonely, very isolated, family issues, depression, anxiety, and our volunteers, all older people, it's a peer-to-peer service, are trained to respond to each call and give people the time they need and to give them that kind of empathy and compassion to post them on to discuss other options if they need and then we have a whole referral service as well. But many calls are just about being with and listening to the caller. And we have many, many regular callers, people who phone us all the time and get kind of comfort and conversation and succour each time. Mm, Brilliant. It's a wonderful service. Faultier Stock, I love it. Yeah. Well, Faultier Stock has now expanded to every single county in Ireland. And it's a wonderful service. It has, again, trained tutors uh, teaching conversational English to migrants and asylum seekers. Mm. And we're all over the country. And we also work in the direct provision centres. And it's been, again, Faulty Stock has been going for many, many years, but it has very much come into its own since the Ukrainian invasion. And we have, as you know, many, many Ukrainians. And our Ukrainians are being taught by our lovely volunteers, either online, if that's the situation, or in person to person. And again, it's a very, very expanding service and it achieved particular recognition last year for what it did. Mm. Now, AgeWell is the Mead-focused one, is it? AgeWell is kind of like senior line face-to-face with with another bonus because AgeWell... Again, as peer-to-peer, the AgeWell staff train older companions to visit older people in County Meath every week. And not only visit and give kind of company and conversation, get to be known and very appreciated by the family, but every AgeWell companion is trained in a 20-question health app. And those 20 questions which are asked every fortnight give a complete grasp of how the the, this, the client is feeling like physically, emotionally, socially, what their life is like on that week compared to last week. And we can really then trace if things are on the straight or narrow, if they're going up or down. So it's a really early warning system if things are going wrong. And if we are concerned in any way, we plug into the, this. AgeWell is a service which is delivered in partnership with the HSE. And we can, you know, refer to HSE or to a whole load of other community services like Meals on Wheels, like the Garda Liaison Community Garda, a whole raft of services to help the older person. Terrific. Stay there a moment because I have uh, one of your uh, valued members who just loves uh, the third age uh, community. Mary Hayes is from Summerhill and she's waiting patiently on the line. Hello, Mary. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining (laughs) me on the show. What does what does third age mean to you? Well, third age means to me, I'm a member for about 10 years. And through third age, I got to know a lot of my neighbours and people from further away that I hadn't known before. And um, we have various, uh, an awful lot of services provided and everybody has different interests. 
And through my interests, I've got to know a lot of people. And uh, it's a great outlet, and I look forward to it every week. So uh, it's one of these things that you get you out of the house. And particularly since I live on my own, since my husband died, it's become even more important because you have uh, that uh, day in the week when you know you're going to meet up with friends mm. and you're going to have a bit of banter and a bit of fun. And sometimes we play bingo and there's as much excitement about winning 10 euro at the bingo <laughs> as there is if you won the 700. <laughs> oh, it's terrific. I hear what you're saying and you look forward to it every single week. I hear you're a very skilled lady with the sewing machine. Uh, well, I do a little bit of sewing. I've always done a little bit of sewing. Mm. When my family were young, I, I uh, did a lot and now I I did it from necessity maybe then, but I do it for pleasure now. Mm. And if I can pass on a little bit of uh, what I know to somebody, it gives me great pleasure to see somebody progress and, and learn something and get pleasure from it. Yes, yes. Good on you, because I believe oh. your patchwork is outstanding and you're good with the old clack of the needles too. <laughs> yes. We we um, we have a great group. We meet every Wednesday, and uh, there's knitting and there's sewing and there's uh, crochet. Yeah. And uh, a great bit of fun and a few jokes thrown in here and there <laughs> and and a cup of tea. Ah, listen, you can't bait the old brew. There's no doubt about that. You also go on day trips and holidays, don't you? We do indeed. Yes, we have been down to Westport and down to Wexford and Dungarvan. And in previous years, we actually got to Spain and to Malta. Woohoo! So, uh, we're all hoping that we might get to go on the sun holidays. Ah, yes. It would be, it'd be wonderful. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, y- you give it the thumbs up. For anybody listening today, wonderful, wonderful organisation. You love it. Yes, it's, 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 I do, certainly. It's, it's a focus in the week. And I wouldn't miss it for anything. Ah, that's great to hear, Mary. Mary, we're going to let you go for the time being because we want to have a little chat with Valerie Byrne, a friend of yours as well, who's a member. Thanks for joining me, Mary. Really appreciate it. And good luck with all that comes your way with the third age people. Back to Anne Dempsey. Anne, that's an endorsement and a half. Very much so. I'm very sincerely given. Just with regarding the holidays, Jerry, um, the holidays are really important because a third age it kind of allows people to get away that might normally be able to do so in a kind of a very safe and supervised way and I was talking to Rosemary our administrator last week about the holidays because I'm not really there when the coach leaves or when it comes back and Rosemary said when the coach was going out they're kind of quite silent people have might have been on their own for a while but she said when the coach is coming back the noise level you can hear the rafters ring everybody's in great form and singing they've been a week together they've been chatting and laughing and the value of that for your mental health for your emotional health for your well-being I think is incalculable Oh for sure and uh, let's hear more about uh, what Third Age is about Valerie Byrne is with me now Hello Valerie Hello Jerry. how are you? I'm really good thanks for being with us today on Late Lunch tell us your story you're married your husband is in a nursing home in Trim Correct that's right yes How long is he there Uh, Valerie? So he has Parkinson's and a a horrible dementia called Louis body dementia and he went in there Christmas of uh, I think it's 2019 Right Maybe 2020 he's two and a half years there Yeah 
Yeah. And and you are you living on your own now? I am. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so and he's been cared for there, and I'm sure you're in and out of there as well to see him. I'm in and out. Yeah, sure. And mm. I'm part of their family. They're part of my family. And yes. We, we all do our best. Yeah. What about third age in your life? So third age uh, was just great for me. Cherubics. I started uh, joined the Cherubics there, and I just love it. Love the music. The um, the activity to music there. Mm. And one day at the end of the class, uh, Rosemary, who runs the place there, came in and she said, I have a, a last minute cancellation for a holiday that's coming up in two weeks time. Would anybody here in this group be interested? And quickly I just thought, I am. Mm. Put my hand up that I'm interested. I won't have time to even think about why I shouldn't go and all the rest. And um, I said I was interested. And a lovely lady from the back of the group um, called Mary Fagan said, Valerie, I'm going to, and you'd be most welcome to join our little group. Mm. I wouldn't really know anybody else, you know, yeah. and most welcome to join. And it was so kind and so nice for her. So I went along and I really enjoyed that holiday in uh, Westport with them. And then I went away again with them to Dungarvan. Lovely. Lovely. So, yeah. And yeah, and that those breaks are very important. Look, you built uh, new friendships and all that type as, as well. That You couldn't put a, a price on this. Th- th- we were talking to to Anne a, a little while ago there um, about COVID and the impact it had. It must be great to be getting back together. And you have been in various activities now for a while. I'd say you missed it with the lockdown terribly, did you? Oh, terribly. Yeah, it's really affected everybody so negatively mm. and even uh, to go in and visit Jean in the nursing home you know I was looking through a, a narrow glass window and he was banging to say come in for goodness sake you know what are you doing out there not understanding the situation it was really very difficult mm. yeah absolutely. thank god we're by we're by this yeah. uh, by that uh, t- terrible time yeah. in, in all of our lives but look it, to get a feel for Third age is marvellous and what it does for people and what it means to people as well is terrific. And, you know, delighted to hear the different aspects of it from Mary a moment ago and yourself, Valerie. Just coming back to Anne before we finish, just to mention again, the open day is next Wednesday, the 5th, noon till 4 o'clock. And open means open, Anne. Hello, Anne. Open means, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I said open means free and open means teas and coffees and cakes and have a chance to kind of, we want to showcase all we do to everybody. There'll be demonstrations, there'll be meeting us all, there'll be, uh, if people want to join up, we'd love to, we'd love to have you because we're kind of, we see it as a recruitment tool as well. So, um, you know, there'll be a lot to see and do and a great welcome. There will indeed. Valerie, thank you so much. I wish you well and keep enjoying Third Age and Anne Dempsey, uh, thank you indeed for joining us on the show today. Continued success to you all and uh, look forward. I'm sure you all are looking forward to July the 5th, next Wednesday from noon until 4pm. If you're not in, get in there now. You'll be welcomed with open arms and look what it means to people who are involved. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much indeed, Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. That's uh, Communications Manager and Training Facilitator Anne Dempsey with Third Age in Summerhill and Mary Hayes and Valerie Byrne who absolutely love uh, what they do there. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Now, what was I looking at, Louise? I was looking at something else there today. That is a big shot in the arm for sure for tourism in the capital city. Kilmainham Jail has been voted one of the top tourist attractions in the world. 
The world. The world. Kilmain in jail. Were you ever in it? No. no. You? No, and I'll tell you. I passed by it every day when I was going to college. But Did you? Uh, never in it. You were never behind bars in there, <laughs> no, when you were at college. No, no behind a few bars, but not <laughs> that one. <laughs> and then she did. Anyway, no, but seriously, like to get that accolade, you mm. know, is one hell of an achievement. I know... It's been sort of on our bucket list to go there. We never did Last Nevin Cemetery until a few years ago and it was wonderful, the tour there. Got to do Kilmainham. Mm. I know where Eamon, Eamon Doyle, who loves his history and Irish history yeah. in particular, he told me, you just got to go there. Is it eerie? Is it like, you know, a real palpable sense of history? It, that's and, what it is. You know. Yeah, not, not eerie, but really gets you he said mm-hmm. in terms of Irish history you know and what happened there yeah 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 but it's great to see it and it's another big shot in the arm for sure uh, for the place and for tourism in general because the more of these places you have of course for visitors coming it widens the you know what I mean the the array of uh, places on offer to them now it's been there and it's been a big um, landmark in terms of tourism for years but to get this get this is just brilliant well done to all concerned five four Three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number two from this very week in 1976. Yes, 76 is the year we're concentrating on. The summer of 76, the long, hot summer. I actually just saw this morning that in Offaly, uh, round about this week in 1976, 30 three degrees it was. Now, we've had heat recently and last year, but it's not nothing new. 76, 33 degrees the thermometer went to in Offaly on one of the days. There you go. It was the long, hot summer. And for our number two in the charts today, it was a great time because when I tell you the number two was uh, brought to us in 76 this week by a group called Our Kid. Now, who are Our Kid? Well, they were discovered by the ITV talent show New Faces. Anyone remember that show? It was sort of between Opportunity Knocks and other talent shows that came afterwards. You'd be talking about the X Factor type of thing, but an early incarnation of that. There were judges such as Tony Hatch and Mickey Most. Remember those people? In fact, I was looking at the judging panel it was nearly all men, male dominated. There was one or two women in there, but it just shows you the uh, times that were in it back then. Anyway, uh, they were picked up on this talent show. They didn't ultimately win it. They won a heat of it and uh, they went through, but they didn't make an impact in the final stages. But anyway, this song was written for them. It spent 11 weeks on the UK singles charts and really it was their only hit ever. yes. It is a one-hit wonder. Our number two from this week in 1976 from our kid. You just might see me cry. Our kid. Our kid. Liverpool, great name for a group, wasn't it? From Liverpool, of course, and uh, four of them in it. Kevin Rowan was uh, in the uh, band. Terry Bacino, Terry McCreeth and Brian Farrell made up our kid. And an interesting thing, they were kids at the time, but they were to appear on Blue Peter, and they couldn't. They were stopped by the Liverpool City Education Department because you had to give 21 days notice at that stage if you were to knock off school. 21 days notice and they couldn't get on Blue Peter. Oh, isn't that just so sad? 
I have a Blue Peter badge. I have. I have a Blue Peter badge. I treasure it. Um, and I got it as a gift from somebody. And I really do keep it in a safe, safe place. Oh, Jerry says a listener, my favourite year, 1976. Hot, hot, hot summer. It was indeed. I loved our kid. Bringing back loads of memories. Delighted it is for you. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. Mary also remembers the summer of 76. Oh my God, Jerry! it wasn't long after I'd finished my leave insert. A roasting hot summer for sure. Great memories and great songs back then. Thanks for getting in touch with us. That barn dance, Sarah Louise, tells me 6 o'clock the doors open. So they are. You can head there from 6 o'clock on Saturday evening. And that the doors are not opening, uh, give us a ring here on LMFM Monday and we'll pass your comments on to Sarah Louise. I'm only calling it 6 o'clock anyway on Saturday for the big barn dance. Now, stats out today about population, urban, rural, all that type of thing from the CSO. And uh, the big news is that Drogheda is the largest town in Ireland with 44,135 inhabitants in the urban area in 2022. And my God, when I see what's going on around this town, that figure is going to be shot out of the water. Anthony Murphy of Mythical Ireland fame is also part of the Drogheda City Status Group and he joins me. Anthony, no surprise to you folks. Uh, absolutely not. They're just stating something we've known for a good long time now, Jerry. And in fact, our argument has been consistently recently that Drogheda is, in all but official title, a city. Uh, it has been Ireland's largest town for a number of years. And as you rightly point out in your introduction, uh, there is a huge amount of residential development occurring, which actually uh, makes last year's census results pretty much obsolete at this stage. If you look around the uh, the city, you'll see there are major residential developments. To give you some examples, up on the Baymore Road, there's a major residential complex there. There's a new complex at the bottom of Donor Road that will shortly open. There's a tower being built beside the Bridge of Peace that many people will have seen. There's a, a large a residential complex being built out the Slane Road near the Boyne Cable Bridge. And then, of course, there's the Northern Port, uh, Port Access Northern Cross Route, which is opening. And, and uh, you know, uh, well, it's underway, but it's opening land for development there. We reckoned last year that the actual true population of the the settlement of Drogheda is something like 48,000. And in fact, with the bringing on stream of these new developments, it's probably hit the 50,000 mark. If not already, it will do so shortly. Our argument would be that even if you don't factor in the East Mead population of uh, uh, Donna Kearney, Mornington, Bettystown, Laytown, we're already at the threshold. Uh, and as I say, in all but official designation, we are a city. You mentioned there those East Mead areas, and if you take the hinterland round, my God, you're talking about huge, huge numbers altogether. And I suppose the argument has always been with the county boundaries and the different uh, two different county councils involved here. How do you get over that and you know establish a, a, a city entity? Yeah, well, we want a city authority with a city manager and and directly electable uh, representatives for Drogheda. In addition, we've also made, uh, well, when I say we, the Drogheda City Status Group and many people from the Drogheda East Mead area made submissions to the Electoral Commission uh, last month calling for the establishment of a new Doyle constituency for the area centred on Drogheda and Boyne. So not taking into account or, or, or not focusing on the county boundaries. Our argument would be you you know you, you can create a, a, a constituency 
but you can still support Louth in the GAA if you're from Louth or Mead if you're from Mead or if you're a Dubliner living in East Mead you know you can still support Dublin that doesn't change our argument is you can you can create uh, a constituency but there's there's a lot of problems with Drogheda uh, but with all of those problems Jerry come huge opportunities it's already a great city to live in, as those of us who've lived here all our lives well know. And the amount of amenities and heritage and everything else that we have on our doorstep is extraordinary. But if you just look at the opportunities, and this is what, um, you know, Drogheda City Status Group ha- has been calling for. Uh, we're looking for the completion of the Port Access uh, Northern Cross Route, which is only being half built as we speak, as far as the Ballin-Kenny Road. We want the second phase of that to be built. We're looking for a railway station on the north side of town, we're looking for the provision of a university campus. We're looking for a meaningful investment in uh, IDA job creation in Drogheda uh, and other things like, for instance, the removal of the toll on the motorway, the establishment of a, a National Museum of Military History in the area, you know, a, a stronger focus on heritage. Uh, and then we, we're looking at all the dereliction. Uh, and of course, there's been a campaign on that. A lot of derelict uh, properties and shuttered businesses in Drogheda. There is huge opportunity here but we have to have control of our own destiny and that is the key that will unlock many riches and treasures for the new what will be Ireland's newest city this will be a political decision so what are the politicians saying what is your gut feeling there are the politicians from the area who are at the highest level and have access to government have the ears of the people that count are they batting for you um, well, we're told so. We are actually in the process of arranging meetings with the local TDs. Uh, we will be meeting very shortly. Uh, Fergus O'Dowd, Jed Nash, Emel uh, Munster. We're also organising a meeting with the new mayor um, and the new deputy mayor. Um, and we would expect them, and uh, they've already indicated, at least some of them, that they're fully behind us. And we would expect them to be fully behind us. Uh, at the end of the day, what we can't have is a continuation of this old uh, situation where Drogheda falls between the stools, you know, and this county boundary thing, we have to forget about, you know, uh, the county boundary. You, you, you may know that the uh, on Garda Shia have announced that the new area covered by Drogheda will cover the entire uh, Drogheda area, including those areas in County Mead that, that, that used to not be in their control area. So we're seeing little victories as we go along, but the big victory, of course, will be the government, uh, 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 the politicians, uh, you know, rowing in behind us and saying, yeah, look, we can see that there's a very, very strong case, uh, we would say an overwhelming case, uh, for the creation of city status. That will only be good for everybody. What we don't want is a situation where Drogheda becomes a sleeper city and, and a residential city where you sleep overnight and then you're on the trains and the buses and on the clogged up motorway in, in the morning head, heading elsewhere for work. That is something that just can't continue. Okay. And we're going to see the creation of an entire sort of an extra, uh, I don't know what it would be in, in percentage terms. We're going to see 7,000 housing units wow. being built in association with that port access route. Absolutely. That's going to bring a population of 20,000. It's incredible. Well, that's nearly 50 
50 per, a 50% increase mm. in the population. Anthony, have to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Thanks the show. Thanks always, Jerry. Thanks a million. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Murphy there. Paul McKenna is on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. We leave you in the company of the wonderful Niall Horn and Heaven. We'll see you for Friday's Late Lunch at 1.30. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.